It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And Manchester City are Premier League champions again. First time we'll be able to say that as we record every Monday. And I'm keen to get the thoughts and feelings of another title-winning season and their thoughts ahead of our very first Champions League game as well, of course, or Champions League final, I should say. We'll chuck in a Torres hat-trick against Newcastle, a debut for an old git, and look forward to Brighton away and Everton at home. To help me do that, we're very lucky to have three big blues. The first, welcome back to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And welcome to Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nigel. And to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hello, Nigel. Nice to see you all. Let's, let's reflect on this season. Not our best start, we may remember, Sarah, but in the end, it all came good. What a season, eh? Champions again. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, I remember when City won the league in 2012, um, thinking, like many Blues, that I'd be, I would die happy. That was it. I was fine. As long, just to see us do that once was enough. But the trouble is, it never is, is it? Because once you've done it and then you're close to doing it again... Um, we'd have been beyond gutted if we hadn't got over the line this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we'll never let go of that slight concern that until it's done, there's always a danger of City messing it up. I think we feel that a lot less than we used to, but it was still it was still nice to get it done. I know some fans wanted us to do it by playing a game and winning a game, but we had a chance against Chelsea and didn't quite manage it. So, as far as I'm concerned, get it in the bag. And, you know, it, we're, we're building a legacy and and I think we should, we're all drinking it in and loving it because this may not last forever. So let's enjoy it while it does. You still drinking it in, Nick? Still loving it? Yeah. It was a, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a bit of a, of, a, a, of a funny one this year because I think it was it was almost just about done and dusted in early February when we beat Liverpool. Um, and I think at least one or two of the bookmakers started to to pay out on that on that um, on that result on us winning the league. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously it was good to get it done, and it was just as much fun to see the rags lose um, for, and for that to make us champions. I think as it would have been to to see us win it on the pitch at the end. 
And and also you then, Edward, before we kind of maybe get to some of the standout performers for the season, your your general view of a, an, another Premier League title? Well, I think it's easy to forget, you know, November, we were languishing in, I think at some stage, 14th. So who would have thought by, as Nick said, February, we were sort of sailing away with another title. And was that 20 match winning run or how many it was, was uh, really the, the, you know, the linchpin behind uh, the, the success of the season. But in some ways it's deeper than that because this is a, a project or a legacy as, as, as Lisa rightly said, that we're creating here. And, Yes, a lot of the other teams maybe dipped this season, Liverpool most spectacularly, but we've also found a different way to play, a different way to re-energise and evolve the team and the squad. And the reason we've won is because we have by far and away the best squad, the best manager and the best coach, and eventually that wins through. Uh, So the feeling doesn't get any less, uh, but we hope that this is just another one that will lend itself to the ongoing bandwagon that is now Manchester City. And, and, and just sticking with you, Edward, for a moment, you know, you, you talked about the sort of re-energising this squad. I'm keen to maybe just sort of pick up on maybe some of the standout performers for you. Who, who stood out in that re-energised squad? Who caught the eye for you? I think the great thing about this season is not just being a, a one-man team. There's been a, a number of players who at certain times have had a a really incredible streak uh, of form. And we saw, you know, people lauding Gundogan uh, towards the beginning of the season. Cancelo had uh, an incredible run where uh, we we couldn't work out what position he was on the pitch. Um, it was the most elusive player, but one of the most effective for a while. Mares has got better and better throughout the season. Foden has matured and grown and has shown us what a, a world-class footballer he is. And there's been behind that some really consistent performers who've, stepped up from perhaps uh, a season last year where they weren't as as impressive. So Bernardo, I think, being a good example. So all over the pitch, plus the fact Diaz has come in and has, I think, surprised so many uh, other teams as to as a, how good and how influential a 23-year-old can be in such a short space of time in the England Premier League at the back. Uh, we've we managed to find throughout the squad uh, a number of players who at the right time have played their best football and that's really made sure that that winning run of, of 20 games or whatever it was uh, was built around many players not just one KDB being the obvious one So Nick Edwards not left you many players so you can either choose one of your own or, or pick up maybe one of the 79 players he's, he's picked out uh, from that squad where, where do you want to go with one of your own or one of his well, 79 well, well I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll focus on the, the defenders uh, and Diaz and Stones were the sort of standouts and had all of the plaudits for the whole the whole season quite rightly or at least since since sort of, uh, December January but um, Walker and uh, Zinchenko deserve mentions I think Carl Walker's had a phenomenal uh, season possibly his best ever for us um, overall, one or two slightly dodgy performances early on, but uh, and the other day, but uh, generally he's been awesome when he's been really on his game. And I think Zinchenko's uh, uh, he he's very much deserving of of a mention because he's clearly someone who's spent years being talked about as a stand-in left back and just essentially sort of the last the last guy on the squad list 
who just uh, um, who gets a game every every now and then. But he's turned himself into the most fantastic player. Um, he's flexible. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's consistent. He does what he needs to do, and he does it really well. Um, and he is possibly not in too many other teams, but in in Pep's team, in this team, he's a left back as as good as any other. Sarah, I mean, there's one name on my list that hasn't been mentioned yet, so I don't know whether he's on yours or, or not, or, but, but certainly, even if he's not, I'd, I'd be interested to know your thoughts on the standout performance for you. Well, I, I, I mean, I echo everything that Edward and Nick have said. It'd be really harsh, I think, to pick a player out as having a poor season. I mean, obviously, Edison could have headed as a goal. That would have uh, mm-hmm. that would have been good, wouldn't it? But um, it, let's be fair, he's given, he must have at least three assists, and they're not... They're not ropey assists, they're class assists. So uh, an honourable mention for us. Did, I, apologies, did somebody mention Mares? Because if they didn't, we definitely should mention Mares. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the point I was going to make was rather than reel them all off, because they're all brilliant and in their own ways, they've all had really good seasons. I think what this season has shown as much as anything is how the, the team is absolutely a team and not a set of individuals. We've got brilliant players, but in isolation, they don't. That's why we end up with this ridiculous situation about who's going to be player of the year every year. And instead of it automatically being a city player, we have the Canes and the Fernandes and whoever else thrown into the mix. Um, you know, it's at least what three of the last four seasons, at least five players have got 10 goals or near to 10 goals. So we spread the goals around, we rotate the defense without weakening it, which wasn't necessarily the case before the previous season. Um, and I think Mares himself, or somebody said recently that this is not a team with one individual who wins you a game. We win games because collectively really, really good players become a fantastic team. And that, that's, I think, what we've demonstrated again this season. I'd agree with all of that. Nick, it's really interesting, I suppose, that the players that you haven't mentioned, I'm saying you all three of you, so none of you mentioned and who would have thought this just a season ago? Nobody, when we were talking about standout performances, mentioned the great, the legend, uh, the person who's going to have a statue very, very soon, uh, Sergio Aguero. None of you mentioned it. I'll just throw that on the table. None of you mentioned Raheem Sterling either. Um, and none of you mentioned Gabriel Jesus. So I just want to just focus for a moment uh, on those three, maybe, Nick. And, and, and I'll leave you to pick all three, your, your favourite one. But it is interesting in this fantastic season uh, remember, we won the Carabao Cup as well, and we're in the Champions League final as well. Uh, uh, Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling, and Gabriel Jesus not mentioned. Um, thoughts yeah. on that? Reflections on that, Nick? Well, I, I, you can't really group uh, Aguero in with the other two because the, the poor blokes had a disastrous year um, as far as... Uh, injuries and uh, and what have you have been concerned. So the fact that he's not been involved in any meaningful way is simply the result of him not being able to to play for most of the time. Um, and um, I think that, you know, he's, a, he's, he's moving very much towards the end of his, his career and he'll only be judged on the eight, nine, nine and a half odd brilliant years that he gave us. So, um, put him to one side. Um, yes, Sterling and Jesus. Uh, again, 
need to be looked at slightly differently. I think there's a fairly wide consensus that Raheem Sterling has been generally uh, poor or less good for quite some time now. Um, and uh, it's come to a head a little bit more in the past six, eight weeks when we've seen much, much less of him than, than we had previously. Um, Jesus, I've always been a fairly vociferous critic of, but not in a sort of personal way. I think that I've always said that I thought he's a very, very talented player and he probably could go to another team and do absolutely brilliantly at a very high level in the European game. But he's just, I mean, he, he does a job for City and I don't think that should be underestimated and it should be recognised, but it's it's a more of a, a sort of water carrier, uh, do the hard yards, do a lot of running, do a lot of runs off the ball and decoy runs, if you like, without necessarily doing what people would like him to do, which is probably score more goals and get involved in the six yard and the 18 yard box. There's, been, you know, there's just been too many games this year where we've had huge amounts of possession, lots of chances, lots of um, goal-scoring opportunities, uh, and he's just not been there. Um, so uh, maybe he's got, you know, he's got a bit of a. a uh, it, 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 there needs to be a bit more marketing of him as to what he's there to do, maybe. But you know, he's not. Let's, you know, he's not Aguero. We know he's not Aguero. We know he's not trying to be Aguero. Nobody wants, nobody's expecting him to be Aguero. But if we want, if if we want another Aguero, let's face it, Jesus is not him. Okay, um, thanks for that, Edward. So uh, we, we've got uh, Gabriel Aquarius Jesus, the water carrier, uh, as he's now going to be called on this podcast. Um, your, your thoughts, uh, Nick makes a, a good point, doesn't he? Of course, we have to sit Aguero separate because of his difficulties. But so, so certainly feel free to comment on that. But I'm particularly keen to hear about your thoughts on maybe the drop in form or two players that haven't quite come up to the standards for the rest of the squad, which we've, we've said are sort of Sterling and Jesus. Thoughts on on either of them, particularly Edward? Well, I suppose the frustration with Jesus, starting with him, is if he'd been at City. 13 years ago, sort of Rubinho style, he would have been our our star man, uh, you know, full of full of tricks and uh, you know, great sort of footballing ability. Uh, something that we, you know, we used to really cherish and treasure uh, before we had an abundance of those sorts of players. But where he sits in with the current squad makes it more difficult for him to stand out in that role because there's plenty of others who can do that. Uh, Bernardo, Mares, and, and others. And so he's never really managed to define who he is within the City team. And, you know, you can point to a lot of games where he's played extremely well. He scored some important goals in competitions as well as league matches. But he's never really nailed down um, his, sort of, what I would say, his sort of personality on the pitch where he helps shape the team around him. He's always fitting in with whatever... Uh, has been decided as uh, the tactics for that particular game. And sometimes is in, sometimes is out, not always consistent. So I think that's the difficulty is really trying to see him as, at the moment, uh, certainly in the starting 11 for what uh, would be the Champions League final or um, uh, any sort of top class um, game that, we're, that we've got. And with, with Raheem Sterling, in, in some ways he's, He's gone backwards, I think, this season because having been 
a go-to player, one of the first on the team sheet. He's lost his his touch. Uh, he's lost, I think, confidence. He's clearly a confidence player. And he's almost, certainly in the last few games, I've looked at him and thinking, you're, you know, you're almost trying too hard. You're thinking too much. And he's lost that sort of natural ability, which he has in abundance shining through in in many of the games that we've seen in previous seasons. So they're, say, they're saying behind the scenes that he's a you know feisty, wants to fight back and, and really get back to his best. And I really hope he does because when he is good, he's, he can be brilliant. But at the moment, uh, he's, he's struggling to find uh, his best form. And when the others around him have can't gone on leaps and bounds this season, there's a, there's a risk that he still falls away and doesn't become uh, one of those core members of the team as a leader as well as a player, which we're going to need next season. Sarah, one of the questions that's come in on Twitter is that if we've got a decent offer for Sterling or Jesus, should we take it? And as a supplementary question, what is a decent offer? Well, there's the $64 million question, isn't it? I mean, based on the way, I'm going to treat them differently because I agree with what Nick and Edward have said. I mean, Sterling's had generally a poor season and um, he's never been, he's never, when he overthinks things, Sterling plays badly. His best goals have come when he's just stuck his foot out or run into the six-yard box. And we've just not seen enough of those sorts of finishes that were synonymous with him. Um, so part of me thinks, look, if we got offered $90 million for Sterling and it gave us the money to buy somebody else and we can have the debate about who you might spend the money on, um, it, it sounds like a tempting situation. The, the, the problem is that you, you're not actually guaranteed that whoever you bring in will be better, bearing in mind that City, go back to the point about City being a team rather than a a PSG kind of made up of a load of star names. And that's the point I wanted to make about Jesus. I know that City fans' opinions differ about him. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, I think one of the problems is that when Jesus arrived, we thought we were buying a Brazilian striker who had all the tricks in the book and was going to be like another Neymar or or Pele or, or Ronaldinho or whoever. And actually, he's not turned into that kind of player. But I suspect... If I was having a chat with Pep and his coaching team, that they would say that the way Jesus plays is why we've got five or six players who score 10 goals in the season. And that he is part, an important part of a mix. So he didn't turn into the 25 goal a season player that we perhaps thought we were buying, but his work rate and the goals he chips in with are part of what make the whole. That would be my guess. And for those reasons, I probably wouldn't sell Jesus. Uh, at this stage, I'd hold on to him. You'd sell Sterling by the sound of it then. Well, it sounds like you've lost a bit of patience with Sterling. Is that what you're saying? Or not I, saying? I, if I'm honest, I've never I've never been Sterling's biggest fan, although, you know, he scored some really important goals and I don't dislike Sterling and I wouldn't be disappointed if he stayed. But, yeah, I think if if the money came in, I'd I'd take a punt on someone else. And Edward, let's spend a bit of time on Pep then as well, because we spend a lot of time talking about players and this man has just achieved so much for our club and he's reinvented the team again this season. You made the point, a really poor start. Okay, we had a bit of a late start and a few games in hand, but even so, uh, based on City's standard in recent season, it wasn't a great start. And and he's just come through and he just has adapted and changed and improved things. And, And he's just a genius, isn't he? 
yes, there's no doubt about that. He's, 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 I think he's reached that status by virtue of the fact that over a long period of time now, he, in, in different, yes, we know, uh, well-run and mainly well-financed clubs, but in different parts of, of Europe, in different leagues that have uh, different challenges, he's found a way through, which hasn't always happened immediately. Um, we're not the first club where he's come in and it's taken a little bit of time for him to to work out exactly the, the winning formula. Um, he seems to have uh, an incredible ability to think through, almost like a chess grandmaster, how it is he can beat uh, op- opposition, uh, mainly on City's terms, rather than acquiescing to to what the uh, the team and the other side of the pitch are trying to do and to shape around. When we when we have done that in the past, um, Leon probably being the best example most recently, and and Liverpool against them on occasions, we we've come a cropper. But he's prepared, I think, through humility, but as well as uh, complete and utter um, sort of desire to, to 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 win comprehensively at everything that he does. Uh, a, a way of rethinking some of the underlying philosophy that he has for the modern football that he's then playing season upon season. So there are certain aspects of what he does, uh, which is not only very easy on the eye to watch, that's why people love watching a, a pet team, but also the the way that he can sort of choreograph what happens on the pitch and this whole idea of possession and playing out from the back and using the keeper as, as almost uh, an, another outfield player. These were an anathema to not the football that we grew up watching. We thought we'd never make it here, uh, but he has, and he's still going from strength to strength. Uh, he doesn't seem to lose any of that desire. Fortunately at city, he doesn't seem to have lost any of his energy. Although on occasions he, you know, you, you hear that he has um, uh, perhaps you know, reached the, the bottom of his tank on a few occasions. That was a worry about him re-signing and extending his contract but also his commitment to the club and the fact that he's built a proper team, a proper club around that philosophy uh, for us as City fans is something that I think we will be forever grateful for uh, whatever happens after he's gone. I know, Nick, we've all got our sky blue spectacles on here and and, and we look at him in a different light to most other football fans. But in your eyes, would it be fair to say that he's probably the best manager ever? Is that going too far? And you've seen a few over the years. Uh, is, is he the best ever or, or not? Has he still got stuff to achieve? Uh, well, I think I think it's probably fair to say that he is. He's certainly, I think I would put it in, in the terms that I think he's he's mastered the game better than pretty much any other manager in history and certainly in um, in recent history. And I think what's uh, illustrative of that is and the even the really dumb commentators we have to, to listen to on the TV and the radio are starting to pick up on it, that the game has changed around him and because of him in the last few years. Teams in the Premier League but also in all of the lower leagues are playing in an enormously different way than they were just a handful of years ago. And they're all starting to play in a way that, that Pep plays. The England team is doing its best and is being uh, 
is doing its best to play in the way that he plays the game. So there is no perfection in, in, in the game. You can make brilliant decisions and lose and make bad decisions and, and win. But I think that that really illustrates the, 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 the size of the impact that he's had on, on the game. And it's, uh, yeah, I think it is, he is, he is the best of the best. Sarah, how do you sum up Pep Guardiola? In, 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 the same, in the same light, is he the best in your view? He is. I think to to do what he's done in three different leagues and adapt. I mean, you, we all remember the comments about how if he thinks he's coming over here and he's not going to teach people to tackle and he's going to pay, play his fancy patterns, he won't get very far. Uh, you know, he's proved a lot of sceptics and doubters wrong about whether he could do it in the Premier League. I mean, it, I'd echo everything that's just been said. I'd just add one thing, which is despite my comment earlier about City fans always having a slight edge of, oh my God, we're going to mess it up. Um which is probably true of most football fans anyway, He's, I think he's given us a pride in the club, which combined with the work of the owners and the chairman is is quite is deep-lasting and, and intense, and it goes beyond just winning trophies. I think we genuinely do believe that City are the best team in the land and all the world, as opposed to just singing it. And, and it, you know, however long it lasts we can all say that for a period of time, we supported the team that were the best team in Europe and possibly the world, but certainly the best team in Europe. And if we win the um, Champions League, that people will say that that's definitely true. Even if we don't win it, I still believe we're the best team in Europe at the moment. And that's something he's given us. And then what he can then do is, OK, we, we've won the league, we, we go to Newcastle away, and he gets hold of Scott Carson, Nick, aged 107, not played since 1934, um, and says, Scott, you're in next, pal. What, what does that say about the man, and what was your view about that decision? Um, it was a nice thing to do. I mean, it, it, I'm not sure it was sort of... Uh, I don't think that the halo needs to be... Um, stuck on any, uh, any any harder than it, it would have been if he hadn't made that decision. It was a nice thing to do in a game that was uh, effectively a dead rubber and a bit of good fun. Uh, and it was it was great to watch without any any pressure. And I'm absolutely delighted for Scott Carson that he that he got a game. And slightly more seriously, your reflections on the game a Torres hat trick. Uh, which is good to see is first the city um, interesting conversation just leads to a whole load of conversations based on Aguero going and, and the comments about Jesus and he scored a hat-trick for his country of course earlier this season as well uh, hasn't had many chances and came in and took his chance and, and, and does put him up there for consideration for all sorts of things yeah Torres has no no doubt the standout player in that game not just for the hat-trick but it's also the manner in which he scored those goals I mean sort of you know oozed uh confidence uh skill uh and an, an eye for goal all things that if we were looking for a replacement uh for Aguero would be the attributes that we would be would have high on our list so um without getting too carried away with it it was exciting to see he's only 21 and as you say he's not had a huge amount to demonstrate what he's capable of this season he has at international level level also shown you know he's got that um that level of ability so 
so I'm I'm quite keen to see see more of him in that role next season, whether that's as a deputy to someone we bring in or uh, Pep decides that he's actually the man that is going to d- deliver for him the the twenty plus goals. We'll have to wait and see. I think probably the it's still very early days, but certainly exciting. Uh, in what was an extremely strange game to watch, it started off like it was going to be uh, one of those run of the mill sort of two nil against Newcastle. They don't do anything at all apart from just sit there and watch us for a bit and try and stop us and eventually give up. And then it felt like it was going to be the the Leicester five two earlier in the season where we have most of the possession and then every time on the very few occasions that they happen to go into our penalty area or close to our goal, they seem to score giving away silly penalties. I think that's the third one. Despite his excellent season, Walker's given away um, by sort of, sort of tumbling one of their players over. So it it it, it was sort of heading towards one of those sort of slightly um, comedic games. Uh, and then when you chuck Carsten in gold as well, you sort of wonder uh, whether this was a, a pre-season friendly or, or actually a serious Premier League game. He did actually save a penalty, to be fair to him. So I think he put in a reasonably decent performance and there were enough good players in form on the pitch to see us over the line uh, once we realised that um, three goals wasn't going to be enough to win. So, so Sarah, we we don't need to go and splash the cash here. We've got a ready-made replacement for Sergio Aguero, scoring hat-tricks at international level uh, against the mighty Newcastle United away at St James's Park. Three goals. Let's just let's just get Torres in. Easy. Spend nothing. Well, well, you know that um, I've told you many times on this podcast that I have interesting conversations with my dad, usually about players that are in their first season at City. That he tells me are useless and rubbish, and I say, no, 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 they're going to be decent players, Dad. Let's wait and see how they do in the next season. And then he he falls in love with them. So he did. He did tell me that Torres was really good on Friday. Uh, I'm not quite sure he sees him as Aguero's replacement, but I think he is a quality player, and I really am optimistic about how good he's going to be next season. Whether he becomes Sergio's replacement, and we've all been thinking, you know, we're bringing in Harland or Kane or whoever, and actually the plan was never to do that. I don't know yet, but. You don't finish chances the way he finished those chances on Friday if you are not going to be a decent goal scorer. So happy days for Ferran and for us. Absolutely. Let's look ahead then to a couple of league games before we focus on the Champions League um, and get those out of the way. Um, We've obviously got uh, Brighton on Tuesday night and then the final uh, game of the season on Sunday uh, against Everton. Sergio Aguero's probably last game in a sky blue shirt. You never know. You might have still have something to say in the Champions League, I guess. But the last league game, the last time we'll see him at, at the Etihad. Uh, just in, in terms of the ballot, first of all, I should declare the fact that I was not successful in getting a ticket. So I will not be there. I'm not happy about it. I see lots of people shaking their heads. So it does sound as though nobody on this podcast was lucky enough. So none of us will be there, uh, which is a shame. But hey-ho, um, you may have views about the ballot. Is that a fair way? Quite a lot on social media. You know, I've gone home and away for 105 years and never missed a game. And someone who's kind of got a corporate ticket gets there and people unhappy. Maybe we don't have time to do that tonight. But uh, it's uh, it's very difficult, I think, for the club to try and get mix and match it. I, I actually have less of an issue with it. I think if that's what what they chose to do, and of course they did it in conjunction with City Matters as well, didn't they? Of course, and they were consulted. So I've got less of an issue about that. But look, so none of us are going to be there. Um, maybe you can let us have your thoughts on, on Twitter. We're, we're obviously at City Podcast and let us know you, your thoughts. Um, Nick, 
Um, just looking ahead to those two games, um, Brighton, and we kind of put the two together because they're kind of dead rubbers, really. However, is there an opportunity here for Pep? Is he in any of those go- games going to play his 11 for the final? Is he going to rest them? How does he get that balance between playing players, making sure they're match fit, but at the same time, making sure they don't get knackered and injured in the, in the meantime? But it's a difficult balance, isn't it? You've got any thoughts on how he might approach it in both or either of those games? Uh, well, to be honest, I, I, I haven't got the faintest idea what he's going to do, and I haven't got the faintest idea what the right answer is because, I guess, as I said earlier, you can do all the right things and get and be wrong, uh, or or the other way around. Um, I, I mean, the games are obviously the, the results are irrelevant. Um, the games are irrelevant. Um, it's all about who plays and how he he balances things in in anticipation for what happens in the final. Um, and it doesn't, I don't really mind what he does because we're never going to know what the right answer is or not. And it's all about whether, you know, it's going to be about, it's going to be about bad luck and an injury. Um, that's really the big, the big issue and the big concern. I have to say, um, Brighton have probably got very, very little to play for. Um, I wouldn't, they're certainly not the kind of, I mean, you wouldn't want to be playing Burnley this week, would you? Um, Brighton are not the kind of team who are going to to go out of their way to 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 cause you any um, injuries. Um, Everton possibly have got a bit to play for in terms of a European place, um, so they're probably quite keen and they're probably thinking they've got as good a chance as they're ever going to have to beat us on the on the last day. Um, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be. Uh, putting their um, ankles, knees, hamstrings, groins, whatever on the line. And I'm sure they'll be told that they shouldn't be um, in anticipation of the big game. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Sarah, your thoughts? We can never second-guess Pep here, but you must have a bit of an inkling. Is is this going to be try out the 11 wrestling combination of the two? Where do you think he's going to? How's he going to play his cards, do you think? I think you're on mute, Sarah, actually. So we're, we're <laughs> Sorry, I lost is... you briefly there, but I think you directed that at me, didn't you? Um, I did. I mean, I think Nick's right. I mean, who who knows how he's going to play it? I mean, I, I don't like the idea of our starting 11 for the Champions League not playing a game for two and a half weeks, but I also don't like the idea of Ruben Diaz breaking his leg against Brighton. So uh, I think I'm definitely going to leave that in the hands of experts to make judgments. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing... That the starting eleven for the Champions League 
will feature in both games, but probably for whether it's 60 minutes in one and then come on as a sub at 60 minutes in the other. But my, that would be my guess. But I'm not sure he'll play his starting eleven from the beginning of one of those games. I think he'll mix and match them. But what do I know, Nigel? It's a guess. Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting because you say we need an expert. It's really lucky we have an expert on the show in the shape of Edward Timpson. So, so, so really, I'm really looking forward to hearing the expert's view. So, so Edward, over to you. What, what's the answer, Edward, please? Because clearly Sarah and Nick have no idea. Well, I'm, I'm going to shock you, Nigel, with a, a wild card here, which um, you know, it's, it comes from just a gut feeling as opposed to any uh, sort of inside information. I'm guessing Aguero is going to play in the last game at home against Everton. That's about the only one that I can uh, say is a, an absolute definite. I know it's a surprise to you all, but I think Unbelie- that's unbelievable. one that Edward, I've, I've got a hunch. <laughs> I think we need yeah. just to pause for a moment. Um, just take take that in. We need to pause and take that in. For take it so in. You're saying Aguero to play in the last ever game at the Etihad. So really, you think that's going to happen to you? It's unbelievable. But I, I know it's a, it, it's it. a long it's a long shot. It is a long shot, and I hope he scores with a long shot. But um, beyond that, I think it's going to be hard to say exactly who's going to play. I mean, KDB is one to think about because he's not played for a couple of weeks. And do you want him going into the Champions League final? having not played a competitive game for you know, close to a month. So I think we will see a, a bit of him in the Brighton game, maybe only, uh, as Lisa said, something like 60 minutes. But it's going to be about making sure that you can see that they're, uh, they're in the form that they need to be in, trying to ensure that they don't end up uh, with you know, aggravation of any niggles that they might have going into it. But you know, by and large, we've seen a fairly high level of rotation game on game anyway. So I think that's what we're going to see. And uh, hopefully it won't give anything away to Chelsea, who will be no doubt looking at us intensely to try and work out how we're going to play in the big one. Nick, so yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Chelsea will will, it will you know whatever the outcome of the Champions League final, the with hindsight, people will say that you know Chelsea had a. Um, had far more to play for in the weeks leading up to it. We didn't. That'll be either a positive or a negative and with the reasons why they won or we won or whatever. Um, Chelsea have have been on a cracking run themselves for the most part and have just had um, a couple of really horrendous results and pretty poor performances. Um, They got beat by Arsenal and that's not easy to do. And then they played in a really good FA Cup final at the weekend. Um, but they didn't really play particularly well. I mean, Leicester, you know, when they're playing fairly well, they can be a pretty tough team to play against. And we know that as much as anybody else. But I wasn't particularly impressed by Chelsea's performance in in that game. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show that whatever, whether you've, whether you've got players that have had a bit of downtime or whether you haven't, you just don't know how things are going to turn out. And then anything that could be a positive could just as easily be a negative. So let me just pick up on what you said. Let's move forward to the Champions League final then, if we can. I know we've got another show before that, but but while I've got you guys on, it would be interesting to get your view. I'm interested to understand that drop in form, if you like, from, from Chelsea. Uh, does that actually help City, or do you think it doesn't, or is it really neutral? Sarah, you, your thoughts on that. Does that actually give City a bit of an advantage, or, or not? 
Well, it's a valid and, as ever, Nigel, a really good and pertinent question to which um, we're all completely guessing and speculating in our answer. Uh, I mean, I think, in a way, I'll give you a gut reaction to it, which is I think I'd rather they'd had the week they had that they battered Arsenal, won the FA Cup and were on a buzzy kind of ride of, you know, look at this amazing end of the season and Tuchel is a god and he's going to show Guardiola up and so on. So on balance, I'd rather that had happened. Um, I don't think, I think Chelsea have been clearly a lot better in the last four months uh, since Tuchel took over. Um, They've got some good players but I don't think I've ever watched a game since he's been in charge and thought, oh my God, they're amazing. And on the basis that the two games we lost to them, we didn't play our usual starting eleven. I really strongly believe that if our starting eleven turn up and play as they can do, we will beat Chelsea in the Champions League final. There you go, I've said it. Yeah, all right. Let, let, let me move on very slightly. Uh, and I want to just talk about, uh, there's been a... Talking about the Champions League, there's been a little bit of negative vibes on social media about ticket allocation and, and so on, and, and City maybe dragging their feet a bit. We've known for over a week now that it's, uh, it's going to be in Porto and not in Turkey. Uh, and City, I think tomorrow, Tuesday, are going to be announcing the rules by which we're going to be allocated tickets. And then uh, on Wednesday, it's going to be open for, for, for purchase. And a number of people have already booked their trips. It is an overseas trip. Uh, we don't know the prices yet. I, I, I'm just wondering uh, kind of your thoughts, um, Edward, maybe kick off on this in terms of maybe how the club have handled this. Could they have done it better? Are you slightly frustrated as well? Have you booked your flights already? Maybe as a question as well for each of you. Well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm staying firmly in, in Blighty uh, during this one. And I also didn't get through like you on the, the ballot for the last game of the season. So I'm slightly bereft of, of any live City football, particularly Champions League final. So, you know, very disappointing, but understandably against the backdrop in which this has all happened, the unfortunate um, circumstances in Turkey, everything happened, happening at the last minute, people having to make sure that even through that they comply with what tends to be reams and reams of regulations. There, There is, you know, some, you know, re- reasonable sense that, what the club are having to go through isn't that straightforward. Um, I don't have you know, necessarily the, the the ins and outs of, of what they've been grappling with behind the scenes, but I suspect they're trying to be like they did with the ballot, as fair as they can be, and give people as much notice as they can in the circumstances, which is always going to be very, very tight. Um, and you know, but I also, on the other hand, can see the frustration for for those who. You know, they desperately, this is the one game after however many years they've been supporting the club that they hoped and dreamed they would be on the terrace uh, shouting Blue Moon at the top of their voice. And, uh, you know, we wish we could all be there. And in some ways, if it had been at Wembley, more of us potentially could have been. But we we, we are where we are. Um, I think it being in Porto, just thinking about it selfishly from the team's point of view, we've got a lot of Portuguese players. Whether that's going to mean anything, I don't know. Uh, but for them to win it in their home country, that could that could play in our favour. Uh, but you know, I, I think the club, there are always going to be those who are frustrated and uh, want to really understand why things haven't happened more quickly. I, I suspect they're doing all that they can and I'm prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt so long as we come home with the trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Nick, um, Edward's been very generous and, and has uh, 
taken the side of the club, been, been very understanding of them. Do you, are you going to be a little bit more critical or do you think that's a, a fair reflection of where we are? No, I'm not really going to be more critical. I think the the decision to move it to Porto was made fairly early, middleish last week. It was finalised, but it wasn't until the last couple of days that that um, we in the UK knew whether we'd be able to go to Portugal or not anyway, because the Portuguese were changing their minds about whether access was going to be available, regardless of what the UK uh, were saying. Um, so that made life difficult. I think that, as always, um, most of the criticism should be pointed at um, at UEFA, because it seems, at least, from, from our perspective, that the reason why they wouldn't hold it in the UK at Wembley or otherwise is because um, they wanted, as usual, to bring over a couple of thousand of the blazer-wearing brigade, the brown noses that are always going to turn up because they get they get uh, um, a free jolly to the final. And they were quite rightly told that that wasn't going to be happening unless those people were going to isolate for, for, for however long before. Uh, or hopefully, presumably, we're told that they were going to have to do what we'll, we'd have to do when we go to Portugal, which is all get lugged in there on a on a plane, on a coach straight to the ground, uh, walked into the ground, walked out again, back straight back on the coach and straight back on a plane. And they all said, no, so we're not going to do it in, in the UK. And we don't really care about the fans of um, of City and of Chelsea. We're far more interested in... in uh, making sure that all our mates can go. So that's that, I think, is the real story behind it. And that's where the criticism should lie. I, I mean, I don't know how many tickets actually the club have got to offer for the fans. Um, I, have, I have to say zero expectation of being able to get one. Um, and, um, you know, I'm accepting of that because uh, I don't have as many points as as many other people. I'm sure lots of people will be desperately disappointed. Um, I think, you know, in some ways I'm I'm kind of, and I'm sorry for banging on, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking that I'd rather go to the final when we can all we can all go and there'll be a really proper crowd there. Uh, the first game I really really miss not being at at this year was was the semi at home to to PSG because that that I thought was the game of the century for City. I thought we were absolutely brilliant. Thought PSG for the most part were really good, brilliant team. We played brilliantly. Would have been an unbelievable night to have been there, and I really regretted not having been. And I would have been otherwise, you know, if I could have. But for the final, I you know I, I accept that I won't be there, um, and I would rather be there when there's a good crowd. All right, Sarah, finally, your thoughts. So t- tickets booked, presumably you, you, you've kind of speculated, you, you've got your flights and your Airbnb sorted, have you, in Porto, waiting for that email to say you, you've got your ticket. That's right, isn't it, Sarah? Of course, Nigel. Um, and my Portuguese villa is ready and waiting for me uh, to, to arrive. Sadly, like like the guys, uh, I won't be there either. Um I mean, not a lot to add. I think Nick's absolutely spot on with his analysis of UEFA, but I won't start on a rant about the hypocrisy that emanates from that organisation. But 
I think it was an opportunity to put the fans first and they didn't take it. And that's that's a shame. But um, to those City fans who are going, I hope they have a fantastic time and, and sing for all of us. I was just going to say one other thing because I do sound like a little bit of an old git and I have to say if I was 20 odd 25 years younger I probably would have booked myself a plane ticket got over there and done whatever there was to do either found myself a way to get in the ground or had a good time outside and had good fun and I'm sure there'll be lots of people who do do that I hope they all stay healthy and uh, don't get themselves into trouble and I'm sure they'll have a great time. But the only problem with that is 25 years ago, you were only six years of age, of course, Nick. Yeah. So it, probably would, it probably wouldn't happen, but uh, I get where you're coming from. Uh, listen, I want a one-word answer from each of you before we go. Uh, so in a couple of weeks' time, when we do our final podcast of the season, will Manchester City have won three trophies this year, including the Champions League? Edward Timson. Yes. Sarah Messenger. Yes. <laughs> Nick Goldstone. Yes. Nigel. Yes. That's all four. Love you all. It's been a, a huge pleasure and a thrill to spend time with my three guests. Thanks to Edward Timson, to Sarah Messenger, and to Nick Goldstone. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.